Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got basketball to break down. Um, we've got some news on the football front as well, but it'll mostly be focused on the Nebraska game um, from yesterday evening. I think a lot of takeaways from that, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about Michigan State as the Badgers prepare for their Christmas Day matchup against the Spartans. So, Plenty of basketball to get to before you guys uh, head away for the the holiday season that way, and then we'll be back um, one of the days next week to, of course, have our normal Mayo Bowl, Wake Forest preview that we have. Um, same kind of setup throughout the, the season that we've had for those type of games. So a uh, nice little recap show basketball-wise here. Uh, we haven't had a show that's been solely dedicated to basketball yet this season, so it'll be nice to really get in depth and talk about um, some things here uh, on the basketball front. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. It was it was good to see the Badgers kind of you know get over some of those first half struggles and and take care of business in the second half against Nebraska and and now we get to talk about Mayo too. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, the Mayo Bowl, man, oh man, I was uh, excited to see that. Um, I know there was kind of rumors that it would might be the Music City Bowl and um, you know that one didn't intrigue me as much as the Mayo Bowl did because, A, it's the Mayo Bowl versus the Music City Bowl. It's easy choice there. But also just the the fact that you're playing someone different. I know the Big Ten always kind of meets up with the SEC when you've got the Outback Bowl and, and the Capital One Citrus um, Bowl now. So there's all sorts of SEC Big Ten matchups. We don't see a lot of Big Ten ACC matchups. So Wake Forest, I think, is an interesting opponent. Um, I'm interested and, and really excited to talk about them a little bit more later on the week, but I think it should be a fun. What did you kind of make of uh, of that bowl as we kind of transition to the news here? What did you make of the announcement, and, and how are you feeling about that matchup against Wake Forest and Charlotte? I like the matchup. Both teams have missed a big chunk of their season due to COVID issues. Wisconsin more at the beginning of the year or middle of the year. Um, Wake Forest more recently. They've kind of have had yeah, a, a choppy play. Yeah, it's been really choppy to end their season. They were able to play Louisville here recently, but other than that, it's been kind of very hit or miss. Really, the last time they won a game was at the back at Halloween. So this is a this is going to be fascinating. That's going to be one thing that I'm definitely going to be watching for that game. But but getting back to the announcement, I, I think it's it's a fun bowl just because of the name uh, that it's put on by Duke's Mayo. Uh, those of you who are like, what the hell is the Mayo Bowl? If you remember the Belk Bowl, it's that's what it used to be. Um, so it's it's a good bowl for the Badgers here. There's been a lot of shifting uh, bowl ties and everything in the past few seasons, and I think the Badgers are in a good spot in this game, both teams just sitting at 500. So I'm excited for it. I think uh, I'm just glad that the team wanted to play. You, you never know. You saw so many teams that have opted out of it um, across the Big Ten and across the country. 
Um, there's still a chance that the bowl falls apart. We've seen that from other bowls, but we've also seen some bowls already start these past this past week, and so that was kind of fun to to see BYU blow the doors off of UCF yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of weird because normally in, an, in a normal season you've got uh, a couple, at least a week's layoff, but you know a couple weeks, um, you know, in terms of a gap between the Big Ten and, and you know conference championships, and then into the first set of bowl games. So to to have championship games are going on and then bowl games coming up, you know, the, after the the Sunday between is was really odd, but uh, it's 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 just that type of year and that type of season. So it's it's good to have any sort of football. Uh, a few months ago, we, we didn't really expect to really have much of any, so to have some of these bowl games, I know they're getting canceled left and right at some point, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful for any football on the TV, uh, especially right now during the holiday season, to be able to kick back and uh, have some games under the day. But I'm excited for the, the Mayo Bowl. I think it is a good test for um, both of these teams. These programs don't have a lot of familiarity in terms of ACC and Big Ten teams. Um, Wake Forest is a team that I think the last time I watched them was that North Carolina game where they were just getting it was it was a touchdown every three minutes I think it was like 59 to 53 or something crazy like that so they can score I think it'll be a good test for this Wisconsin offense but uh, yeah I'm excited to see where they go and uh, should be an interesting matchup unfortunately it is on I believe a Wednesday at 11 a.m. but hopefully we can all uh, catch that and enjoy some Mayo Bowl I'm sure there'll be plenty of festivities going around with that one. Yeah, just how fitting is it, though, that in this wonky 2020 year that the Badgers are in the Mayo Bowl? <laughs> it fits perfectly. It really does. Like, I just – I it kind of sucks because I don't I don't believe that the team is going until just a day or two before. I know normally bowl games, you're going a few days before and you get to do some bowl festivities. I would have loved to see what they could come up with, with the Wisconsin offensive line and some sort of – mayo challenge because you know that those guys could put down some mayo and, and some gallons on anything if it, so unfortunately you kind of miss that i always like the bowl you know pre-game or pre-week you know lead up stuff that they they make some fun stuff happen but unfortunately with covid i think most of that is scrapped so it's pretty much to show up for a football game but if the, the badgers ever return to the mayo bowl i'll be excited to see what they can come up with Oh, for sure. <laughs> but uh, keep it moving here on the news-wise. We'll, of course, have our normal Wake Forest preview for the Mayo Bowl um, a little bit later on. We didn't want to get too much into it with that still a week away. Uh, we'll get into some football news, though, quickly. Jack Dunn sounds like he may be leaning towards returning to the football team. I really think, given based on the way this season has kind of went, that I think there's going to be more returns than, than I would have said at the beginning of the season. You know, I thought, you know, guys like Eric Burrell had said, you know, this is their last year. I could see maybe not Burrell, but more guys coming back than we originally expected. So what do you make of Jack Dunn's possible return and just how big is it that some of these guys are starting to consider, you know, that option? Yeah, I mean, I think it's telling that you're, you're looking at a guy who's a former walk-on, been in the program for five years, and he's still considering coming back. Um, and I, I think that's something that we might see from more players. Um, you know, in, in player availability, we've heard from Colin Wilder saying that he's he's definitely wanting to come back. Jack Dunn now hinting that he's thinking about it. Garrett Rand has talked about thinking about it. Um, you know, Joe Rudolph has talked about both uh, Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. So there's a lot of a lot of players here that are kind of grappling with this decision. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've only played six games they haven't. Uh, it hasn't been smooth sailing for them, and it's not the way that they necessarily wanted their season to play out. Um, 
a lot of these guys look for tape to to use towards the NFL. And, you know, I don't think Jack Dunn has an NFL future by any means, but at the same time, it's, it's, is this the way you want, you know, your pinnacle season to, to happen? And so I, I think I, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm interested to see how UW navigates this all. Just, you know, you're looking at scholarship numbers crunch. You're looking at um, money. Um, at, at the team is not bringing in nearly as much as they did the past few seasons. So, I think those are all things to watch here, and, and it's going to be a fascinating thing that's going to be kind of up and down, I'm imagining. But but I think Dunn's a guy who can help this team out. I think that you saw what he could do this past game. Uh, I, it's He's not built to be their number one target at five foot seven. I think he's shorter than that. When I've interviewed him, he, he seems a little shorter than that. But um, I, I can tell you that – He's a guy that if you have him in the slot working underneath crossers, doing those things, you know, just quick little um, uh, screen passes off the side, those are his niche. And getting him back to that role instead of, hey, this is our number one wide receiver after Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor went out, um, I think would be a, a big thing for, for his season. I, I'm really hoping that they continue to use some of the youth at um, – Part Turner, because, you know, Jack Dunn has had an up-and-down career in terms of that, uh, specifically when just not navigating the ball right with uh, letting it go, fair catching it. So I, I'm excited to see what Dean Ingram continues to do in that role. So I, I think I'm all for any of these guys coming back. It's their decision. It's their eligibility. It's their lives. Uh, and, and I think it really could help the team going into next year. When you look at other teams like, uh, Northwestern just losing people left and right. I think it's something that could be a huge advantage for the Badgers going into 2020, 2021, yeah. 2022. Yeah, anytime you're bringing veterans back, I, I think it's important. And, and like you mentioned, Jack Dunn in, in special teams was a guy that always kind of made me grip my teeth and, and scratch my head sometimes. And But as a receiver, he's, he's definitely surprised me. Um, and, and being in the role he's taken on this year and being kind of that number one guy – just due to the factors outside of his control. But I think if you brought him back, and like you said, you know, we've already talked about Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis possibly coming back as well with Joe Rudolph, Hope, and, and, and wanting those guys back. All of a sudden, you bring back those two, move Jack Dunn and, and Shimmer DK into a role that they're more comfortable in. Um, you know, whether it be DK and the outside and Pryor in the slot rotating and, and with Jack Dunn worked in there, I think that's a good collection to have in terms of the receiver position. And you still want to see what some of the younger guys have. And, and Devin Chandler, uh, last time he was out on the field, I think he looked pretty solid and could grow. I don't know what you've got right now in, in Taj Mustafa and A.J. Abbott. Those are guys that it's just not seeming to click and they're not getting out there a lot. So, to all of a sudden you you don't have as much youth to rely on and younger guys coming up. You've got, you know, the incoming guys and, and freshmen um, with 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 Allen and, and Bell that way, but for the most part you're still going to have some gaps that you might need to fill. So to bring back a guy like Jack Dunn, hopefully you can maybe get a mix of, of Dunn, Pryor, and Davis back. I think that would set you up really well as you try to work into next season with, with Merch trying to get – more comfortable with his targets because there was times where Mertz was off this year, but it, it also had to do with the fact that maybe he wasn't as super comfortable throwing uh, to some of those guys and, and the personnel just wasn't the same. So if you can hopefully bring some of those guys back and avoid some injuries next year, I think it would be set up really well at the receiver position overall. No doubt. And, and I think 
regardless of who's all coming back, the implications for some of those younger guys that you're mentioning is, is also going to be something that's going to be fascinating to watch because the, the staff is going to have to make some decisions about um, how they're going to navigate guys being able to play. Some of those young guys, you look at Shimre DK, if you've got a full assortment back, is he year three or is he year four behind Jack Dunn and, and KP and Davis? So I, I think there's a lot here to, to kind of unravel for the staff and try to figure out, but I think it's a good problem to have because it means that the staff is in a spot where they can bring back literally the guys they want to bring back, and I anticipate that they're going to kind of cherry pick that. They're going to pick the guys that they think they can help us next year or, okay, I think we have a younger guy on the depth chart that's going to be able to be where you are at next year anyway, so we're going to just roll with him. Um I think, I think there's going to be some decisions where some players want to come back and the staff might be like, hey, we're, we're all good. Or, and there's also going to be situations where the staff is like, man, it would have been nice to have XYZ player back because I'm guessing a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk's gone, Mason Stocky's gone, um, you know, Garrett Groshek is still on the fence, but, but we talked about his married life situation, so he might be ready to start anew. Um, so I, I think this is definitely going to be the, dominant news for the next few months here as players try to just figure out what's best for them in, in their uh, future. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's not something that these you know players or the staff have to deal with at, at such a big level. You know, you look at in, in the NFL, you can, yeah, you can decide because you're getting a salary, you can decide whether this guy's on the team or not. You know, with, uh, with college football, it's a little bit different but kind of a similar situation where you got to kind of base it on personnel and decide from there. So it's going to be an interesting talking point for a while. I think we're going to have a lot of these segments where we're talking, touching on, you know, one of these guys coming back or maybe opting not to. So I'm interested to see how that all plays out uh, as the season rolls on. All right. Time to talk some basketball here. Nebraska, Michigan State. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of both of them. Um, in terms, starting with Nebraska, of course, slow start for Wisconsin, came out of the gate just both teams, really. It's it's kind of been the same, or at least when Wisconsin comes out and struggles, they're playing well in the defensive end that they keep these games in range and close. Um, but overall, I think you'd like to start seeing some of these slow starts get negated. There's been some games where they came out, you know, the Louisville game came out with their hair on fire, knocking down shots, and, and got out to a big gap. But then some, game, some games like the Nebraska game and a few others this season where it's slow to start, and thankfully they've been able to hang around. But what do you think the team maybe needs to do or adjust to try and avoid some of these sluggish starts uh, as the season rolls into Big Ten play? Well, I, I think you saw Nebraska come out ready to play a little bit more than Wisconsin, and in, in, in that, that happens. You've seen Wisconsin play. You know, outside of that Louisville and Marquette game, they've been able to coast through most of their non-con, and whereas Nebraska's played some teams. They've played some other um, solid teams. They came out ready to play. They kind of punched Wisconsin in the mouth. Wisconsin was settling for jump shots. They were, uh, they were, you know, uncharacteristically um, had six turnovers in the opening possessions. You, you look at it in their first 14 attempts, they had four, four shots that were blocked. Um, they had a whole host of three-pointers. Um, I think a half of those shots were three-pointers, and just nothing was falling until Jonathan Davis kind of started getting them going on the scoring um, column. So 
I look at it as Wisconsin, first and foremost, struggled with Nebraska's length. You know, they have a really strong starting lineup that, that's in terms of how tall they are. You know, you've got a 6'9 point guard, a 6'6 shooting guard. That's not something that Dimitri Trice, Brad Davidson are normally going to be seeing in the Big Ten, but that was something that Nebraska brings. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin needs to do a better job of going inside out, which we saw that, that they shifted to later on in the game instead of saying, okay, we're going to work around the perimeter. Wisconsin can hit those jump shots, but they are at their best when they're in rhythm, getting those shots um, off of ball movement to shoot threes instead of, hey, let's dribble it around a little bit and then jack up a three. Yeah, I think that's that's the main takeaway from the first half was that they sometimes can – you know, these guys can knock down these shots, so maybe they hang out there a little too often and it's just kind of a pass it around. But it's not the it's not the ball movement isn't the same as it is when you're running through your offense. Sometimes it's just kind of kicking it around the, the outside of the perimeter and, and settling for a shot late in the shot clock that maybe isn't their best shot that they can get, you know, if they're running through the offense. So a guy like Nate Reavers, I know he he can stretch the floor and be out there and knock down those shots, but sometimes he needs to get down in there and, and work his – and we saw it a couple times in the second half where he was in there uh, in the paint and they went into him and he didn't find a shot that he liked and he was able to kick it out and then and Trice and a couple others were able to knock down threes. So when you're playing inside out with the bigs that you've got and they it's a nice bonus to have that they can stretch the floor and knock down threes as well, but – I don't think the Wisconsin or Greg Gard, in terms of their system, want to be over-reliant on big guys knocking down threes. It's a, it's a luxury. You know, it was a luxury when Frank Kaminsky could do it where he could be out on the perimeter and knock down shots, but he could also, you know, use his, his seven-foot frame and be down on the block and, and use that. So guys like Potter and Reavers, they need to be able to do that as well. And, and there's times where they have, and the, the offensive look is really good, but there's times where they've hung out a little bit on the perimeter and you saw some of these slow starts and some uh, some long you know scoring scoring droughts that uh, they, they look to avoid if they can as the season goes on because you don't want to have a, a sluggish start when you're taking on teams like Michigan State coming up, when you're going to take on a team like Illinois or Iowa because – uh, they're teams that can score, and if you if you can't hang around, you know, like even with Nebraska, you can at least slow them down defensively. If you can't do that against the other opponents, it's going to hurt you and, and cause you to claw your way back throughout the season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up Nate Reavers because I, I thought this was a nice bounce-back game for him. He, he was off the past three games. He, he scored only five points against Rhode Island eight against Loyola and eight against Louisville. He, he's, he was your you know quintessential lead scorer last year, and, and that hasn't been the case this year uh, nearly as much. Um, he, he's right now standing fourth on the team, which which I, I think is fine, and that's great because that means Micah Potter stepping up, Brad Davison stepping up. But Nate Reavers is a guy who I, I think needs to kind of get his mojo back, gets – get back in the scoring column. You saw him put up 18 against Eastern Illinois, 14 against Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think that's what they need from him moving forward. And and so you you look at it, he, he did most of his damage against Nebraska inside, but that was mostly in the second half. He didn't do a whole lot in the first half. And and that needs to be something that Greg Gard has a, continues to drill home for him is we need you to be aggressive. We need you to go inside and do your thing. Because when we when they have Potter and and Reavers inside, you know, working the post, it makes it so that those guys like Trice, like Brad Davison, like Aleem Ford can can get the ball out on the wings and and shoot the three pointers that this team um, does rely upon a lot, and and allows 
um, open lanes for a guy like Jonathan Davis off ball movement to get to the basket. So I think Wisconsin needs to continue to go inside, and that was something that I think Greg Gard had to have stressed at the at the halftime mark because Wisconsin played a lot better in the second half, and, and a big part of that was the play of Micah Potter, who was very active in the second half, as well as Nate Reavers. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. And then rounding out the first half conversation, I think the big talking point um, outside of some of the stuff we just mentioned was Jonathan Davis. He had a really strong first half, really strong game overall. Keeps progressing um, as the season goes on from a guy that was you know getting decent minutes, but now a guy that's really worked himself into the fold, scoring, attacking the basket. He really brings an element that this Wisconsin team doesn't quite have um, and, and kind of didn't have last year. I think it's really helped. So what do you think uh, What do you think of him so far, and how do you think his game has kind of progressed so quickly? Well, I, I think he's extremely smooth. The, the kid is, is one of the more talented players on the entire team. Um, he's probably got the best future out of anybody. He's got the most upside in terms of, hey, he could be a guy that could probably play in the league if he continues to progress and, and get his outside shot, um, continues to get better. But but you look at that that sweet move that he had uh, through the middle to with the finger roll off the glass. That was that was pretty. I mean that's that's a next level move. And you you saw him ignite this team in the first half when they really didn't do much on offense. He got two key offensive rebounds. He he had um, all all of his seven points in the first half. He had five boards. Those are the type of things that that they need. You know, we you heard Greg Gard talk about when we when Tyler Wall had his game earlier in the year where he had um, his double double, where Tyler Wall really helped the team and energized them to to really have a great game. Jonathan Davis is doing that most times when he's out on the court. His plus minus is really good, um, and he's he's done a really good job of being active in in lots of different ways. You, you look at assists, you look at steals, you look at rebounds. He's helping this team. Um, a lot, and I, I you continue to see his minutes um, blossom. Um, he's sitting there right now at at almost eight points a game and five rebounds. That's that's great for a team to to know that that's one of your sixth or seventh guy coming off the bench that you can trust. And and like you said, he brings something different with being able to get to the rim, create his own shot that off the dribble that this team needs. And that slasher ability is something that I think will continue to get better as time goes on, as he continues to earn minutes. Um, him and Tyler Wall actually have the exact same number of minutes this year at 174, which I think is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is really telling. You know, the more minutes he's getting, 25 last night, that's as, as much as, you know, Potter at 26. And I know some of that was Davis playing a lot later in the second half. But he really did a lot of, more, like you said, all of his damage in the first half. And it's, it's really telling that he can be a guy that can come off the bench and, and give you that spark, give you that slasher, get you a bucket. Um, you know, if you've got Brad Davison and, and Reavers and Potter and, and Ford, all guys, you know, putting in 10 to 15 points, you don't need a whole lot more from a guy like Jonathan Davis or Tyler Wall in his performance, but if he's grabbing boards and he's you know putting in seven points and playing good defense, that's a really big spark because it can get your guys some blows. Um, you know, you can get Davis in some minutes uh, on the bench. He can allow that to ride it out because Wall is a really good sub for some of those bigger guys. But uh, I know coming into the season, was it going to be Jonathan Davis getting a lot of minutes to give those guys blows, or was it going to be Trevor Anderson? Anderson only ended up getting 16 minutes, and I think that's 
in terms of rotation, probably where you want to be. I think the minutes overall last night is, is a pretty good snapshot of what you'll see, um, you know, time in and time out. Because Trevor Anderson's a really good player, and he, he can come in and run the system and do what he needs to do. But he's not going to really bring a different element to his to the game and the team like Davis can with his slashing abilities, getting able to the rim. So I think uh, if he can keep up his performance like that, he doesn't need to do it all. But if he can keep you know knocking in some shots and, and getting some rebounds and playing defense, I think it brings this team to a whole nother level to go off of the strong starting five that they have. So I'm excited to see um, how his year progresses. Yeah, Trevor Anderson, dude, is shooting eighty, almost eighty six percent from three. <laughs> it's pretty wild right now. Knocking it down. Six comes seven. <laughs> comes in, gets a shot, and, uh, and and goes back out and, and does his job. So I think right now they've got a really solid rotation of some of those guys. Um, they should be fun to watch. I'm excited to see what they can do against Michigan State here. Um, really, the game, first half was tight, uh, 25-24 going into half. Um, really an ugly first half for both teams. Wisconsin kind of back and forth, and then they went on a 16-0 run in that second half, which – which seemingly ended it. Nebraska would, would chip away at uh, the lead a little bit, but for the most part, Wisconsin was able to keep them um, you know, off off the pace a little bit. What do you think changed overall in that second half to really help Wisconsin get back to the groove? Because I think that second half, they looked a lot more like the teams, that, or the, a lot more like the Wisconsin team we've seen the last few games of just a, a strong, cohesive offensive unit knocking down shots and it really playing the way they've looked over this little little hot stretch, so to speak. I, th- I think it was two-pronged. I-, I think, first and foremost, they tightened up on defense. Wisconsin has been really good on defense this year. Last I looked, they were third in Kempom for defense efficiency. So they're, they've got a really good um, thing going on the defensive end that I think will help them get really far this year. Um, but then, in addition to, you know, upping the defensive intensity, I-, I thought they did a really good job of, like I mentioned, getting the ball into the post. They got post touches. They were able to go inside out, and, and that led to a guy like Brad Davis and getting hot from three. Um, that the, the play where Micah Potter was able to get to the middle, um, pass it out to him, and, and Davison called for the ball and drilled the three, that, that was indicative of what this team was doing in the second half, whereas you looked at that first half, they were really kind of playing iso ball, shooting, shooting threes, letting the clock get down, which is we've seen from this team before that the offense gets bogged down, they, they get complacent and aren't moving the ball as efficiently as they normally should. So I think Wisconsin was able to get the ball inside, use that. Um, Aleem Ford got involved in inside as well. He he stopped hovering around the three-point arc and was able to do some stuff inside. Um, Dimitri Trice also got got involved in, in other ways because you look at him and Ford, they've still struggled from, from deep here the past couple of games. Um, it, but, but once they got the ball inside, it was um, Reavers, um, or I mean, uh, Davison hitting threes. It was Johnny Davis hitting threes, and and this kind of it all kind of worked for them, and they shot a lot better from the field because you looked at it, they got the ball inside, stopped settling for three pointers, and and were able to to kind of put that game away. Yeah, I think that was the main takeaway was that they were able to work it and just find better shots. I think overall they were, like you said, settling for some shots in that first half and really struggling to to get the right shot or, or the shot that they wanted um, versus the second half. They, everything seemed to come out. They, there must have been some some conversations, like you mentioned, from Greg Gard, you know, saying, hey, guys, let's work it in. Let's work the post, and then let's let's find our shot. And they seemingly did that really well in that second half. Guys were knocking down shots. They were making the extra pass, which 
Wisconsin basketball, you know, when they're when they're moving the ball and they're making that extra pass to knock down the shots, it's a pretty system of basketball. I know sometimes Wisconsin basketball but can be a little ugly and stagnant and have those stretches where they're not scoring and they're settling for bad shots. But when they're really moving and, and knocking down shots, it, it's, it's a big improvement. And I think we saw that first half and second half. Um, and, and it's going to be important to keep that second half game and, and doing that going inside as they get ready for Michigan State. Because like I mentioned earlier, you can hold down a Nebraska team if you're having an off shooting night. And who knows what you're going to get with Michigan State after their most recent loss to Northwestern. But um, overall, you don't want to come out and, and struggle or be settling for bad shots against a team like Michigan State because that can allow you to, to fall behind fairly quickly. So I'm excited to see and interested to see what type of game we get from the Badgers in the first half because I know East Lansing, as we get into that a little bit more here um, later on in the show, I know East Lansing is a tough place to play, so it'll be interesting to see what Wisconsin can do on that front to avoid the slow start and, and making sure they're getting quality shots early on. Overall, the, the attack for Wisconsin was, was really balanced. I think that's the next point we want to touch on before we get into Michigan State. Ford, Reavers, Davison in double digits, knocking down shots. Potter had a double-double with the rebounds and the points. So his game is, is really elevating on that front in terms of you know cleaning up on the glass. So when the attack looks like that, when you've got guys in double figures really scoring the ball from all different positions on the floor, how strong and, and how dominating can this team be? Oh, they can be great. I, I think that's something that they need. When they're wanting to win big games, it takes everybody. Um, you look at um, how their scoring has breakdown has looked over the season. You've got Potter with just over 13, Davison around 11, Trice with 11, Reavers with nearly with nearly 11 as well. So you've got those four of those seniors kind of all in the same general ballpark. Aleem Ford's a step behind with nine, but then Jonathan Davis with almost eight. So I, I think they need that general output you know not necessarily it has to be those exact like Potter needs 13 but rather they need to have a balanced attack because they don't have the guy that's going to say all right this is my game I'm going to drop 35 today um and that's and we've seen it in the past we've seen Brad Davidson do that at times we've seen a guy like Micah Potter get in the 20s before as well but it's more of this team needs to have you know three to three to five guys in double figures um, and, and one or two guys in like the 15 plus range for this team to be able to put up the points they need. Wisconsin's defense is really, really strong, like I mentioned. But at the same time, the, the number one part of the game is you got to put the, the um, ball in the basket. And Wisconsin relies upon a, a team approach to get there. They don't have the guy to, to, to you know, play hero ball and win you the game. So Wisconsin needs that, and I think if they can continue to get four guys like that in double figures, they're going to be in good shape this year. Yeah, they can be dangerous, and I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. That yeah, that's what this team needs. You don't need to have you know one guy coming out and scoring a number of points, but you need to have three or four guys come out and probably getting you know nine, ten, double digits, someone into a fifteen um, range, and, and then play good defense. I think that's what makes Wisconsin really strong is that they can attack and score from all points on the floor. There's teams out there that can do that, and there's teams that rely on, you know, a couple guys. You know, Wisconsin doesn't have a Luca Garza. Obviously, they don't have the National Player of the Year, but they don't have a guy that's going to come out and give you 30, um, you know, like Garza or Ayo DeSumo or one of those big-name guys. They've got five guys and and really 
six or seven when you add in Wall and Davis that can come out and contribute and score and and have a balanced attack. So I think for Greg Gard, this is what he wants to see from his team, and I think that's how the Badgers win games is by having guys you know like put it, you know like Davis and Ford and, and Reavers and all those guys pouring in nine, ten, eleven points because. If you do that and you get a balanced attack and you play defense the way this team can, they're going to be hard to beat. I don't care who they're taking on um, and who's pouring on pouring in buckets on the other side. If you're scoring from all points of the floor and playing defense, this team is going to be tough to stop. No doubt. Um, so Michigan State, Christmas Day, what, what, what are you going to be watching for in that game? It's going to be interesting because it's an early game um, at Michigan State, which all both of those always make me somewhat nervous. We've seen Wisconsin in the past when they're at the Kohl Center early that they can really come out and, and do some damage and, and have a special game. Um, so I think I'm going to be watching for the start. You know, you're, it's Christmas Day. You're at Michigan State, a place that generally you don't play very well in terms of program history. Um, so there's a lot of factors that I'm going to be looking for. The other part, Michigan State just came off a, a very, very bad loss to Northwestern. You know, Tom Izzo called it one of his most embarrassing coaching performances of his career. So this Michigan State team is going to be ready to to really come out and, and try and get some things corrected. I know they're they're looking for their their primary scorer to go through right now. Uh, Joey House has kind of been the main guy, and, and Rocket Watts is the guy they're expecting more from, but they don't have the the Cassius Winston to really go through and, and dominate a game. So I think right now Michigan State is a little bit on the ropes, but you know Tom Mizzo's a good coach. You know they're going to come out and be ready to play kind of in the spotlight on Christmas Day. So I'm going to see – I'm really hoping to see this kind of game to shake out. It's going to be like a heavyweight fight where Wisconsin's going to have to deal with some blows probably, but if they can hang around, I think they've got a really good shot to, to go on the road and pull off a little bit of an upset. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, but it's still in East Lansing. It's still a hard pace to play, and, and Michigan State's still a very strong team. So I think I'm going to be watching for how they get started and, and where the shots come from early in the game. Yeah, I, th- I think those are really key points for the Badgers. I think another one is going to be rebounding. I, I You look at Michigan State, they're going to attack the glass. They've got some really good athletes to, to do so. And so Wisconsin's going to need to do a good job. You talked about Micah Potter and his ability um, recently to, to you know, snag re- rebounds. He's got to keep that going. I'm also going to be fascinated to watch how um, the, the battle between Joey Hauser and the Wisconsin Bigs goes. Hauser's leading the team in points. He's got the Wisconsin connection to Stevens Point kid. Um, everybody has heard the the tale of his recruitment and everything that happened there. But but he he's a good player. He's a talented talented big. He really struggled against Northwestern, so I'm assuming he's going to want to come out and have a good game. Um, and, and I'm assuming the Badger fans are really going to want to to see him shut down. So I think the battle inside is going to be one to watch. And the other guy for Michigan State to watch is Aaron Henry. He's he's a guy who is an All Big Ten. Type type kid that people coming into the year expected big things from. Now in his junior year, he's three of twenty one from three this year, so he's really struggling. Um, so I'm I'm looking to see how Wisconsin does against him. Um, he he's a guy who's pretty consistently scored in double figures all game all year long, and he's he's a six six athlete. But it's a matter of can Wisconsin continue to push him out to the perimeter and force him to shoot. To, to settle for jump shots um, compared to when he gets to the rim, he can he can be tough. So I think those are the two guys that I'm excited to see how Wisconsin matches up with them. 
I would anticipate Henry might see Tyler Wall, might see might see some uh, Jonathan Davis as well, two guys who who can come in and, and give you a lift off the de- on the defensive end as well. So I'm excited to see kind of how that all unfolds, and I want to see if Wisconsin can continue to hit free throws and get to the line. Um, Wisconsin was 100 percent, 15 to 15 against. Nebraska did a good job of, of going inside in the second half. They need to be able to do that against Michigan State and work inside out because um, trying trying to isolate shoot threes is not going to win you the game against uh, Michigan State, I don't think. Yeah, no, definitely not. When you when you look at how Michigan State can play and, and the guys that they've got, the size that they've size that they've gotten, the, the scoring that they can produce. With those, you know, the names that we've mentioned are all very good players. So just there's been some struggles for them this year. So I don't expect that struggle to to continue on for too long. So you've got to come out and, and get the good shots and and work your way in. It's going to be really a fun game. You know, I, I know when people see that Wisconsin playing on Christmas Day, you know, sometimes the the thought is, well, why are these guys playing on Christmas? You know, the NBA and the NFL is on Christmas and why, but it sounds like, according to Greg Gard, that these guys were really excited for the opportunity to do it. So they're going to be fired up for this game. Michigan State's coming off a really bad loss, so they're going to be fired up. And, and these are two teams. It's going to be a big one in terms of the Big Ten standings and everything. So it's going to be fun to watch, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, starting my Christmas uh, watching Wisconsin play at Old Ball and then uh, having the Bucks on in the background as the day progresses and then uh, watching some football later on. So it's going to be a nice uh, – Solid Christmas. I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. No doubt, ma'am. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our basketball episode. As I mentioned earlier, we'll, of course, be on uh, – we'll probably have something out on Monday, I would guess, um, for the, the Mayo Bowl preview. Of course, Matt and I will do our breakdown. We'll have an interview um, with someone in the Wake Forest camp. We haven't talked uh, a ton with them yet, but I'm sure we'll get an interview lined up uh, on that regard. So, will be a fun episode as we get going into next week and into this holiday season. So, uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you at some point to preview uh, the granddaddy of them all, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, you guys all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll talk to you later on. As always, on Wisconsin.